Are you ready to die? Fiction done. Akashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Ray, and with me is Don Munson. Don, how are you today? Well, cool cats and hot ladies, I'm feeling mighty fine. That's great, Don. Um, I'm talking like this because I'm trying to be very relaxing. Are you sure you didn't take a hit of Valium before this episode? Or maybe... No, inedible. I'm made of Valium. <laughs> I think you may be made of something, but it's not Valium. I think it's Valium, because I have value. Okay, anyway, we are an anime show where we watch anime, and the anime we watch is Paranoia Agent. But before we get into that, uh, I gotta tell you, I just finished Control for the PS5. The Ultimate Edition this is my second time playing, but I just finished the DLC. It's got to be one of my favorite stories that's been told in a very long time in that medium. Um, probably since The Last of Us, I haven't liked a game this much. I almost platinumed it, but I just didn't want to do the like busy work that required. it's required to get the platinum. I'll take it your is, word on that. I don't know what that means. You've been like talking about it. Deco, it is like an Art Deco uh, X-Files with... Um, with sort of that Max Payne style. Like it's written by the same guy who did Max Payne, so it's got a bit of that weird tongue-in-cheek, weird, uh, very specific world building. It's just, it's wild. It's kind of Lynchian at times. Like uh, the, they, It takes place in this place called The Oldest House, which is a unheard of bureau of the United States called the Bureau of Control. Of course it is. <laughs> and uh, they sort of deal in paranormal anomalies. You start the game off and you go into this place and immediately the director kills himself in front of you and you become the director of the Bureau of Control. This is uh, taking a pretty dark turn right out the gate. But what you're really doing there is trying to find information on your brother who's been missing since you were a kid when you had this event happen, which I can't go into because it's a total spoiler, but something happened when you were young and you got separated and now you're sort of like, you've become the director of the Bureau of Control and you're expected to go around and solve the Bureau's problems. But it's got this weird dream logic, like hallways don't make a lot of sense. Everything is weirdly geometric and the colors are very like stark. Like there's like bright yellows and bright reds and bright greens and then everything is like like hard angles and like it looks like an office building but it's all like broken up like an mc escher painting it's so amazing i can't say enough good things about it the only or there are two reasons that i have not started this game one is i'm trying to finish um i am playing the regular ghost of tsushima game and i find it beautiful and enthralling and interesting and i have no need or desire to do anything else with it right now I and like i'm the playing fox. It, I, i'm playing it the whole way through and uh and there i last time i checked i've done 26 percent of it which feels like <laughs> less than it really should be at this point um but uh, given that 
given what it is, that's where I am. And the second is, um, it's a uh, 50 gigabytes, and I am worried about my data caps. So maybe at the near the end of this month, when I'm confident I'm not going to bump into it, I will download it. Um, and the the last other reason is, and I think we've talked, or there's been some messages about this. Uh, I do worry that eventually I'll run out of space on my pristine spanking new PlayStation 5. Oh yeah, it's a real concern. You know what I do though? I just I play my games and then I get rid of them. So I've already deleted Control. I'm not going to play it again until they add something even newer. I don't know what else they could do to it. Maybe I'll play it another 10 years from now, but I don't need it right now. So I took it off. And uh, yeah, I don't know what my next game's going to be yet. I'm I'm thinking of doing Shadow of the Colossus, which I've never fully played. Uh, I played it on the original PS2, I want to say. And uh, I found the controls slightly lacking. <laughs> I I remember us talking about this game a long time ago, and I remember you being actually very... And when I say a long time ago, I mean possibly 20 years. And I remember you being uh, very interested and excited about it. I'm surprised here you did not finish it. I didn't even come close. I got to the fourth or fifth... Um, colossus out of 12 i believe and uh yeah i just didn't go back i think i returned the playstation 2 i borrowed to play it because i never had a playstation 2 which is a very strange thing for me to admit but i didn't i borrowed it for a couple years and i played the games i wanted and then i just gave it back i actually had a dead time for gaming where i didn't play any games at all that was like a three or four year period which is so weird to say now because I'm so into it now. But So this episode is uh, called Mellow Maromi. Or is it called that? I don't know. But the cartoon inside the cartoon we're watching. And I'm sorry if you take offense that I called it a cartoon, but anime is technically cartoon. Okay, are you speaking Japanese. to our listeners now? Because I did not raise any objections. I was speaking to our listeners, and not everything is about you. I beg to differ. <laughs> Every single one of my experiences has involved me. This episode, I'm glad that we watched Keep Your Hands Off Azo Ken, because <laughs> this episode is very inside baseball as far as anime production goes. It's a little bit more information than I was uh, than we got out of Keep Your Hands Off the Azo Ken, because that was only a three-person unit, or four- or five-person unit at most, but... Uh, that was here, bit, that was more of a love letter to anime creation. This was this is more about sort of the business <laughs> uh, <laughs> angle. Yeah, the business that grinds people up and spits them out. Yeah, dead. I, and I, <laughs> I, it was a very, it was a weird episode in my mind. Um, it was a weird episode, but I think it kind of worked in the context that I thought it was very ironic that they were making this. So Maromi has been this sort of presence throughout the show, but we've only really just recently come to understand that it's a mascot that people buy as sort of a thing to like make them feel comfort and relaxation. It's not like it's not like something that people buy because it's a manic, crazy cartoon character. It's very soothing. The animation is very uh it's very I don't know if the word is supportive, but in the scene that they show us, the only scene that they show us of the first episode of this anime within the anime, um, we see Maromi uh, talk to a baseball player who's like, I don't know if I can do it. 
I want to just give up. I'm not good at baseball. And Maromi's like, you're good at baseball. You just need to relax. You're talented. Relax, relax, relax. Well, and I didn't like take a rest. Take a rest. Take a rest. Yeah. Take a rest. Take a rest. But that honestly is super creepy. And it I is creepy. And I think it's intentionally creepy. I think so too. But I think that it's funny because the environment in which this very relaxing uh, anime is created, this very sweet, relaxing anime is created, is hellish. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, it's it's unforgiving. It's um, the schedule is super tight. Well, and they're dealing with um, inadequate staffing. Um, they don't have the right people in the right roles. Um, not everybody's working together. That's a pretty obvious theme. And not everybody is capable of doing their job well. So the name Saruta uh, has monkey in it. And all I could think of watching this was that he's the monkey's wrench that is thrown into this production that needs to run at 100% efficiency or somewhere near that. And because Saruta is so lackadaisical in his job roles as I think he's, what do they call him? His role. What is his role in the production? He's like a gopher. He's um, a gopher. Yeah. He, he is meant to <laughs> he's shuttle. He's a monkey gopher. <laughs> he's meant to shuttle things. I mean, literally just somebody, somebody needs something from somebody else. It's like this person's done right. coloring in the cells. They've got to be moved to this person to do something else. He's a facilitator. Um, and I, he works I don't think they even really announce his job title. Maybe at the very beginning they do. Um, he gets yeah, he gets the like plaque with the goofy music, which becomes more and more hilarious as the episode goes because it keeps doing that even when they're dead and lying on the ground or on their desk with their head bleeding, a whole trail of blood. And I think that it's also a pretty on the nose metaphor that all the animators are bleeding because blood just looks like ink. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to read in there, you know, that they bleed their last onto this. But honestly, I couldn't even tell. Like, I, there, there were some flashbacks in this series, weren't there? Okay, so there's, there's what's actually happening, which is that Saruta is driving the final cassette recording of the show in order to get it on air at the proper time and he's driving it through the storm that we were just dealing with in the series so in real time we're dealing with Saruta in in the car trying to drive this tape to be aired on time and so the project has had a number of people well in the beginning it just looks like people were dropping out yeah and they get so that's like extra. a flashback. Yeah, that's a flashback to so, everything that led up to him. If we him go being into the soul, the soul like a uh, harbinger, harbinger <laughs> of Maromi Doom. Um, and it the show also does this job of explaining to us each of the people that we encounter, basically before offing them in the process. Um, right, and everything and is. All yeah, and everything is off schedule. Saruta somehow is always on site. He's napping or doing something, and he's never doing his job properly. Um, somebody's always giving him grief and telling him what a terrible job he's doing. Uh, but I couldn't always track the flashbacks. 
And I was very confused at one point where he goes in. It's the first bona fide murder. He goes to somebody's house and he, she's finished doing all the editing that she was going to do. And he just picks up the pieces of paper and says, great job, and leaves. But then, and then we go to the flashback of him in the car again. Because he's drifting off sometimes in the car, which facilitates these flashbacks. And he says, oh, you know, of course I knew she was dead. You think I can't tell the difference between a somebody who's passed out and somebody who's dead and then i forget the excuse he made for continuing to to just sort of continue doing his job i don't know i think the the excuse was uh, the show must go on yeah but he's such a a lame-o of a character like he doesn't have any noble qualities he doesn't he's not a hero no he's quite the opposite actually in, in the sense that uh he has this mantra of his that he says it's just not his fault it's not his fault that he tripped on the cord that was in the middle of the room it's not his fault that when he was throwing a hissy fit in the back with a broom that he hit the uh what are those called the breakers and once again turned off the power causing oh yeah when he's throwing his little tantrum yeah uh causing hours of work to just go up and in smoke not smoke but just poof gone yeah he's he's awful what i think is interesting is you know how he's saying that like the juxtaposition of this sort of relaxation mascot with this crazy production was really interesting i think it's even deeper than that because saruta is constantly wearing maromi's like goods that arrive in a package from the studio i can't i can't exactly like dismiss the idea that maybe like the animation studio and the animation director are taking a piss uh on the on the animation world production process <laughs> and sort of the idea that like in order to make these cutesy cartoons people literally bleed and and suffer and that it sort of flies in their face that maromi goods like this kid that represents taking it easy, this kid that represents that sort of attitude, like those two conflicting ideas can't exist in the same space. Like you can't take it easy and also meet these crazy deadlines. Yeah. I I felt that this was a little on the nose of like, hey, this is the, each anime is the result of our blood, sweat, tears, and toil. Um, and we sacrifice it all for our art, which they literally do. And of course, the art is Maromi, you know, saying, <laughs> take a rest, take a rest, take a rest. Yes, you know. that's so creepy about it. But the the other thing was, this is this is by far the bloodiest episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's lots of and like there's like grisly murder here. And it doesn't and I, I can't. It doesn't necessarily seem to be in the same theme all the time. Like every like people just start showing up dead. It doesn't appear that they like reached a crisis of competence. Like they all got their work done and then they're dead. Right? Yeah. Maromi is finished. <laughs> There's no indication that it's a little slugger until the part where you see him appear to Saruta as he's driving. And he's it's it's on the radio. And Saruta may just be hallucinating at that point. Well, it also seemed like Saruta may have been the agent himself who 
Oh yes, well, who's been that's, killing people. That's the implication that he is sort of little slugger, but then also he stumbles across the dead, the the first dead bodies we see. The animator, I, I think it was an animator who um, died at her home. So and do he, you think? Do you think that possibly he killed her before, and then forgot to get the paper, and then came back into his own crime uh, scene? I can't really tell, and you know that's part of paranoia agent is that it leaves you unknowing these things that you feel like you should know right you're agreed that you're you're never supposed to know the actual truth and that's where the paranoia arises like well if it's x that means y and if it's z that means a but you never get to know if it's x or z you're just not gonna know it's life <laughs> true we're never gonna know who killed john benet ramsey it's sorry i mean we might should i have used kennedy instead Maybe. I don't know. I just watched the um, the Netflix like docuseries on the Elisa Lam case where she went into the hotel in Los Angeles in the Skid Row area and she like had this erratic like bipolar breakdown um, from not taking her meds and but everyone remembers the video because it looks like she's possessed or like that the, the elevator's haunted or a whole bunch of weird things. And she was found in a, um, a water container, a water tank on the top of the building. She was found dead inside. You're not familiar with the case. It was, nope. it was and I assume that's, that's where you're going to end it because nobody knows how she got there. Nobody knew how she got there until they, you know, they solved the problem. They solved the case, but it's not really about like, what's interesting about that series is that although it does go for the like kind of cheesy prurient, like what happened to her? Was it ghosts? Was it otherworldly? Was there a conspiracy by the cops? Was it this like death metal singer who happened to have a song called the Chelsea hotel or whatever in which like he talks about a dead girl in water or is that just like death metal 101? Like, so like it goes there, but then it actually asks you like, you know, what really happened here was that they released, they released this thing out there and then the internet picked it up and created their own narrative, like totally independent of what the truth was, which is that this poor girl um, was struggling with her mental health because of bipolar disorder. And she had decided not to take her drugs as she had often done. And she uh, had an episode which caused her to freak out and seek a place of solace. And she behaved incredibly erratically. Um, but it, it tickled that part of the public imagination where they started like, not only trying to find her, like internet sleuths trying to find her, but trying to solve her murder, trying to solve the mystery. And uh, and yet it was just this sort of tragic thing. And I think that actually telling this story, it kind of lines up with Paranoia Agent in the sense that this is also about sort of the stories that come from um, this, like especially the previous episode we talked about with the Gossiping Housewives, but about kind of like the stories that come from hearsay in public you know when you're just telling you're just looking at something without seeing the whole picture and you know something like shonen or i'm sorry something like little slugger 
has really like excited or uh, inspired people to sort of like start imagining their own version of the story. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting docu-series. I wouldn't recommend it just because it's four episodes. That's a lot to really commit to. But I watched it while I was doing something else. I was making graphics, so no big deal. That's it from me, really, about this episode. Uh, yeah, as, this is where I fed into my disappointment. Like, I felt like the... I still don't know much about the underlying... What's going on with Shonen... With, with, little slugger how are we going to how's he when are we going to find out more and maybe i'll be maybe i'll be um delightfully frustrated throughout the entire series and the whole thing will end without me knowing very much Um, but i just didn't feel like this tied back in with sukiko or, or anything in a meaningful way that i wanted to see sometimes you draw the picture and sometimes you color in what you've already drawn and that's like that's all I can say, really. Like, I feel like they do give you the answers in some ways, uh, concrete answers that you're looking for. But to me, these these color episodes are are the ones that that are most interesting to discuss in a way, because um, they're not so much about the plot. They're more about thematically how they link into this idea of paranoia and how they link into this idea of people reaching sort of their, um, their breaking point. Anyway, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, this kind of, this kind of has relevance to the current state of like AAA games, for instance, where like people are in these crazy situations where they're trying to meet these ridiculous deadlines and it's, it's burning them up and they're, they go into this thing thinking it's their dream job and then they go through like one or two games and then their mental health is just completely destroyed at that point. I couldn't help but see some relevance there. I mean, I, I definitely understood that to be the video game industry in the last couple of decades, but is it, is it still, or are we still facing down those same challenges even today? I think so. Yes. Um, there's a book coming out by Jason Schreier who is the guy who wrote um, Blood Pixels. I can't remember the full name of the book, but he wrote sort of an expose on like various games that were in production and what went wrong with their productions. Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, it's called. Um, he was he was a either a head either an editor or a head writer at Kotaku.com. And he he did a he's doing a whole book on like stories of people who after doing like mad crunch crunch is what they call uh the the like last big push towards release where everybody's expected to put in way more hours uh they lose all sense of work-life balance and a lot of the times like they're they they aren't there for major life events like uh, the birth Birth of of children yeah stuff like that or they lose although birth is better than like not being at your father's deathbed or something yeah, but that probably happens too. I'm, um, I'm sure. Sadly. Just so that just so that a bunch of like us nerdy types can get, you know, like our shooty shooty game quicker than <laughs> and more shoddily than might otherwise have been done. Right, because CD Projekt Red, who did Cyberpunk uh, 2077, they were they were like they could do no wrong in the eyes of the public when Witcher Three 
uh, came out and it was so good. Even though it was broken when it released too, but that's a different story. I mean, how, I'm curious because I have not been paying any attention. How do we feel about Cyberpunk? I freaking love it, but it did not ship in the greatest of shape, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And on neck on non on non PS5, it is apparently it, it was quite unplayable, quite in a bad state, bad optimization bad like bad 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 bugs game breaking bugs system crashing bugs like it was so bad like for the i think for the first time ever sony removed it from the playstation yeah i do recall that yeah and like i said witcher 3 did not ship in the greatest of shape like it is famous for how bad the bugs with the horse were and they actually added like so many good quality of life improvements to subsequent versions of the game. So like I expect CD uh, Cyberpunk will be the game that they promised it would be like a year or two from now and that that will be worth the wait. But the fact is that we didn't need it last year. It has been a long time in development though. It had been a long time in development, but a game is ready when it's ready, and it's not when it's not. It's not like any other thing. Like, you can put out a shoddy movie, but it's going to play no matter what. A game can't do that. I was just reading about Mortal Kombat, of all things. You know how they put out a new Mortal Kombat trailer, and it's kind of kick-ass? Well, apparently Annihilation the second Mortal Kombat movie that followed the first that everyone was pretty hyped on, the the first movie. Um, The second movie, apparently they put out a work print because they showed it to a bunch of people because of, um, what is that, marketing? (laughs) Because of marketing? Like market forecast or whatever they call it um, in movies where they show it to the, the audience and then they ask them like what would improve and all that stuff. Like feedback from the market was extremely high on the on the work print. Now work print is an unfinished version that has placeholder graphics and placeholder like editing. So like they never bothered to finish the film. They released it as is. It's not even the director's final like version. They wanted to like fine tune it and they wanted to finish it. It's like when they put out Wolverine, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and they accidentally released like the, uh, the work print to the internet. And it was like, the effects were like, like just like green, like men in green screen suits and like, like bad, like uh, 80s style, uh, special effects that were like uh, non-shaded, like a uh, gray scale gradient <laughs> stand-ins for where special effects would be. And people kind of loved it because it was a neat little look into sort of what a movie goes through in the process. But still, like, like <sighs> when something's done, it's done. And when it's not, it's not. And I feel sorry for whoever worked on cyberpunk and had their work like trashed like that because underneath all of that, the game is fascinating and it's, it's one of the more fun cyberpunky things I've played. Maybe that and borderlands, especially tales from the borderlands, which I love. Although I don't know if that's called cyberpunk, but science fiction, Western in that case, 
Anyway, I'm on a tangent. You, you, you are a bit on a tangent. You're not wrong. Thank you all for listening yet again. We're on the roller coaster now. You're either getting your answer or you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I am very anxious to get that answer, let me tell you. Maybe a little slugger is just uh, Dorothy's dream, you know? (laughs) We'll click our heels and see what happens. Yes, please do. You look good in heels. Not gonna lie. Um, I put a uh, little Easter egg in the chat for you. Oh! Let's see what this Easter egg is. Oh my god, it's the silk stockings open we talked about <laughs> last week. <laughs>